Welcome to Peace of Authenticity for the Remnant. We are so excited that you chose to spend your time with us today. A Remnant is a peace that remains. This is a podcast for the Remnant rising in this hour. The Remnant is a group of people who seek Jesus like it's their last hope because he is. In this podcast, we encourage, equip, and champion you to rise up and take a stand for Christ in the world that we live in. Something that is a passion of ours is truly reading the Word of God in the proper context so that you get everything out of it that is intended. We are in a six-part series that will equip you to read the Bible in the way that it was intended to be read. And we're teaching these lenses and truths from Brad Gray's ebook, which is called The Number One Mistake Most Everyone Makes Reading the Bible. So as we always say, don't be afraid to join in on the conversation. what's going on so this week is going to be really good like we've had so much fun yes studying this yes and, um it's just it's so good and it's something that you've probably read so many times but there's a lot more visual or have you it. well maybe Could, is it is it safe to assume that people have read it a bunch of times um, who knows do you know john 316 <laughs> i'm just kidding no okay so so we we've been we've been on this journey right going through how to study the bible in context and as we kind of say every week there's episodes before this one so if this is your mm-hmm. very first episode tuning in we're going to be talking about the visual lens of of how to read the scriptures in context and also we've actually had a lot of feedback from people and mm-hmm. you know we know from personal experience that yeah. when you learn these lenses it makes you want to dive in yeah. deeper to the scriptures and like also to history yeah. so that way you can put everything in the original context that scripture was meant to be read in i think a couple of weeks ago was it 2 weeks ago when we said um the bible wasn't wasn't written to be interpreted through the American lens. Oh, it was not. it was written to be interpreted by the Jewish, the Greco-Roman world, mm-hmm. um, all that stuff mm-hmm. tying in there. So if if you really want to understand what Scripture is trying to say, you need to go back and learn these lenses so that you can dive in mm-hmm. and and see what it's all about. Yeah. But what were the other ones? The first one. The, um, the first one was historical lens. Yeah. The second one was cultural lens. Cultural. Last week's was ge- geographical lens. Geographical. And, and this today, week is visual. Visual. I can see it already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <To> get it. <laughs> I'm the queen of dad jokes, people. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're so excited. There's a lot of stuff we're going to cover, so we're just going to dive in. So yes. as with all of these lenses, there are specific questions that you need to ask in this ebook, which we always in, talk about. Yeah, but. in the ebook, mm-hmm. which was written by Brad Gray, the number one mistake mm-hmm. most everybody makes in reading the Bible. And it's a free downloadable yeah. thing that's going to be in the show notes every yeah. single time. Yeah, so go download time. it. Then you can be on the same page as us and even prepare for next week as well. Yes. So, so we're in the visual lens. Here is the questions that need to be asked. What did the place look like? Okay. Are there photos of the ancient ruins or the location? 
are there reputable artist illustrations of the story? Mm-hmm. And what would it have been like to have been there? Okay, so today we are going to be focusing on the city of Ephesus. Oh my gosh, are y'all so excited? I mean, yeah. So for, for <laughs> I'm sure they're like, well, okay. yeah, they're like, why are you so excited? <laughs> Listen, it's cool. Um, it's so cool. If you if you read the book of Ephesians, right in the New Testament, this was Paul's writing to mm-hmm. Ephesus. You see the dots now, connecting. Yeah, so we've been preparing for this and studying about Ephesus, and it's yes. it's so cool. Um, we're we're going to share just some things about Ephesus first to kind of paint the picture of where we're going in the scripture. Because if, if you kind of know the feel of the city, mm-hmm. what it's about, who lived there, and like all these other things, it helps bring the story to life. Yeah. And so Ephesus, according to the information that we found, was second only to Rome mm-hmm. in cultural Cust or in culture, customs, and civilization. So uh, Ephesus was in the Roman, like the Roman Empire, right? And it was second only to Rome. So which means that there was only one city that had more culture, custom, mm-hmm. and civilization. So basically, Ephesus, you can look at it. It was very Roman. It was it was a stereotypical. Roman mm-hmm. city. Oh yeah, it had so, all the things. Yeah, so it had a theater, it had a bathhouse, coliseum, gymnasium, amphitheater. The Temple of Artemis was in Ephesus, and it was one of the seven wonders of the world. Of the ancient world. Of the yeah. ancient world. It was huge. People used to travel from all over the known world to come to Ephesus to worship at the Temple of Artemis. Yeah, I mean... Hardly even know her. What is she like? The goddess of like fertility, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> something like that. I but don't they know. really loved her. Yeah, back then. they had a ginormous temple. I mean, it, it was one of the ancient seven wonders of the world, so it was a big deal. Mm-hmm, definitely. And um, another thing about Ephesus that I think is really important to point out is that Ephesus and Corinth are the two cities where Paul actually stayed the longest when he came to visit. Yeah. Um, most of the time, the other places he went to visit, he would stay like a month, maybe mm-hmm. maybe two months. I was reading. But in Corinth and in, in Ephesus, he would stay from 18 months to up to three years, right? Didn't you see the three, three and a half? Yeah, three and a half years in, 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 in Ephesus. Oh, Corinth. Okay. And so he stayed at both of those places so long. And I actually read an article on um, archaeology um, review, biblical archaeology. Blah, 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 blah. Anyways, I read it and it was official, people. That's all you need to know. And yeah. um, it has fancy words in it <laughs> that we can't even pronounce. So believe us. Okay? <laughs> please, please believe us. I can't talk. But, anyways, um, okay. so he loved Ephesus. And some of the reasons why Paul loved Ephesus so much is because. Um, Ephesus really prided themselves in um, scholarly studies. They were really open-minded. They loved to talk about theology. They loved to talk about new concepts. They were really open to most everything. And so Paul would spend hours just talking with people that had an open mind, right? And and he loved it. And, and, and they all got to challenge each other and things mm-hmm. like that. Some didn't believe you know, what Paul believed, but Paul was like, you know what? Like they're open to it. That's the beauty of it. So let me chat with them about Jesus. Let me tell them about Jesus. They can tell me about all their little poets and whatnot, but I'll tell them about Jesus, you know? And, and it really was something that Paul loved. And, um, another thing that they love to do is one of the one of the coolest things whenever you look at Ephesus and the actual like remaining of Ephesus that's there today 
um, their library was huge. And it's one of the things, I think 80% of it still stands today. And it's beautiful. Two-story wow. giant library, which shows how important learning was for the Ephesians. Yeah. And so... Um, yeah, Paul just loved it because usually he dealt with the Jewish rabbis who were always closed-minded and got really mad at Paul anytime he talked about Jesus, right? They're real touchy about Jesus. Y'all learned that yet? Reading the Gospels. <laughs> and then he also just dealt with, with other Romans. And um, it, actually, he was talking about the Greeks specifically were super prideful and only weren't open-minded at all because they worshiped their 2,000 other gods and weren't interested in one more. And so um, another thing about Ephesus, you know, going into the library uh, they they prided themselves on written documents. And so Ephesus is actually, they're the ones that we can say thank you to, mostly for putting together a lot of Paul's letters. And right. actually, like, there's a list of a few. Let me read a few specific ones that they Well, put and together. actually, what, one thing that was cool um, that I kind of thought was, Ephesus was kind of like how America is mm -hmm. on on how there's so many different religions, right, that, that are yeah. able to kind of coexist I guess you'd say in in the same place and that's why Paul was was kind of in that was was able to come in and make such a big difference because we serve the one true God right and yeah. so Paul was able to come in and God was able to do a few miracles through Paul Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, yeah. so, so people were, were like magicians and soothsayers and all these kinds of people were already flowing in Ephesus. And so when Paul comes in and, and does, <laughs> they're like does another magician. Miracles, yeah. They're thinking <laughs> it's it, but then they experience that yeah. it's the real deal because I mean, you and I, obviously we're on the same page. We serve, we serve God, the God, the one and only God. And so when Paul comes in and, you know, Ephesus was very open mm -hmm. to listen to what he had to say. Um, so actually, Paul wrote some of his letters from Ephesus. So he was writing to other churches while he was in Ephesus because he would always be there for a pretty long amount of time. Uh, Philippians, Philemon, uh, three letters, at least three letters to the church of Corinth he wrote there. Um, also, his letter to the Galatians. It was all from Ephesus. And so I just think that was so amazing. And then also um, after Paul left a while back, the Ephesians did put together all these letters and send them out and circulate them to people. They knew how important the word of God was, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, they, they cherished it. The and written so, word, especially. Yeah. yeah. And, and Paul's letters to them. And so, yeah, go, uh, Aubrey, going into Acts 19, the, 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 the hiccup we read about in yeah. Ephesians. Yeah, so, so for, the, for the most part in Ephesus, there, there wasn't a whole lot of religious dominance, yeah. if you were. So, that there were there were all sorts of religions coming into them, and and there was the temple of Artemis was there. So there was always pilgrims coming in. It was a port city, so it always had people coming and going. So you had people like of all nations, of all religions coming into this one spot. Well, they didn't mind Paul and his disciples being there. Until we read in Acts chapter mm -hmm. nineteen, where uh, where a guy by the name of uh, Demetrius, right? So Demetrius was a guy. You could go read it for yourself. It's in it's in Acts nineteen. What did it? What was it? Verses uh, twenty one through yeah, 41. twenty one through forty one. Yes. And this is where uh, the Bible tells us that there's this guy named Demetrius, and he gets upset because Paul is ministering and converting people to Christianity at such a rapid rate. This guy Demetrius has a shop where he sells um, idols of Artemis 
And yes. so obviously, as you could tell, people are throwing away. <laughs> they weren't buying them as much. Yeah, his whole livelihood, his whole money-making operation was being dissected and taken apart by Paul and, and his disciples. Whether or not they're speaking truth, he didn't care. He was only speaking money. Which money is the root of all <laughs> right. evil, right, people? So you always want to know how, how you know where somebody's character really lies. Mess with their money. I'm just kidding. True, so, though. So True. Demetrius, right, gets all these men that were craftsmen, the Bible says, that make these idols that he sells in his shop. And he just starts stirring people up. And there's a riot in the streets of Ephesus, and they take two of Paul's disciples and they drag them down to the theater, I think is what happened. Yes, yes. And... Yeah, and, and it was you intense. Can, yeah, you can go and read it for yourself, but this guy was basically like, Hey, there's this dude named Paul and he's preaching this thing. We're all hurting because of it. And so and the Bible even says that confusion was stirred up in the town, so much so that some people that were involved in the riot didn't even know why they were there. They're like, ah, Yeah, I they were know. just like, I don't know what we're yelling about. Like, you know, off Anchor Man, <laughs> you know, Steve Carell's character. Anyway, so so we have that in Acts 19 and and obviously the the city officials come in and they they save Paul and and his disciples there yeah. and and make the crowd disperse. And they were like Demetrius should be in a little dramatic. Bro. Yeah. Yeah, and so is that that happens in in Acts 19, but yeah. beyond that story right there, there wasn't a whole lot of persecution as far as with Christians there because I mean, it, Ephesus was kind of a city that was that was welcome to. Oh, to and all. A, a real quick, another reason why Paul loved Ephesus is because it was that port city, and people were coming in, flowing in, flowing yeah. out, flowing in, flowing out. So it was like, hey, this is a great way to reach the world, just being here and talking yeah. to this person who's going to go back home, you know. So yeah, that was another reason why Paul loved Ephesus. Um. Oh, wait. Wait. Did you wait no. Say go ahead. Okay, I just wanted to talk about because when Paul wrote Ephesians, he didn't write Ephesians in Ephesus. Usually when he wrote the letters to the churches, it's because he wasn't there to be with them at that time, but he had heard word from them or he was just thinking of them and wanted to write to them, right? And so um, Paul was actually in prison whenever he wrote to the Ephesians. So Ephesians, the book is written from Paul being in prison. Okay, and so um, this epistle is written during Paul's light chain arrest okay and so what that means is he always had a soldier a roman soldier with him okay so um he was awaiting the time to be questioned by emperor nero during the years around 61 or 62 um ad okay and so uh, this kind of takes us into the very visual route which of course we've shown you you know what ephesus looks like um, and all those things. But we're about to go into the visual that Paul specifically writes in Ephesians 6, okay? Yeah. And so just I just wanted to underline it by saying Paul always had a soldier with him. So he was always watching them Roman soldiers and saw all their gear that they had on, right? So that kind of underlines what Aubrey's going to go into when he yeah. goes into the full armor of God in Ephesians 6. Yeah, so Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6. So we're talking about the visual lens, right? Like, like getting getting into the story. So as we've been on this journey so far, we've already kind of given you a very surface level uh a very surface level kind of imagery of what you could expect to see in Ephesus from a few buildings to just the type of mentality that they have there and and how written word means everything to the Ephesians and even Jordan you said mm -hmm. that that all of us in Christianity today are actually yeah. followers of Christ today 
um, owe a lot to Ephesus because mm-hmm. of their because they were so focused on the written word and producing documents and stuff like that. We now get to uh, we get to live off of mm-hmm. what the first apostles what they put were doing. Yeah, because actually, uh, I found out through the study, and that which will be you know on on the show notes or whatever that that John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, and Paul both mm-hmm. had their handprints in Ephesus, mm-hmm. and they were even guiding different groups of people. Even though Paul and John were never in Ephesus at the same time, they they both had. John started the first church in Ephesus. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe that's a fun fact that you don't. That you don't already know, but now I you know. I didn't. I didn't know it. <laughs> yeah. So, so in Ephesians chapter six, that Paul gives us such a a very descriptive yeah. visual image of uh, what it what it's supposed to be like to be followers of Christ, right? And so he even goes in Ephesians four, right, where he talks about mm-hmm. how you should walk as a Christian. Yeah, yeah. Well, in Ephesians six, he tells us about the armor of God. And I, I think it's so amazing. And so we got to put on our visual lenses for a second on, and people. really, really step into it because there's some important things that are going to come out of the armor of God that maybe you've read, but you've never caught before. So it starts in verse 10, Ephesians 6, yes. verse 10. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but Mm -hmm. against rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Verse 13, therefore take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist on the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Mm -hmm. Stand firm, therefore, having belted your waist with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having strapped on your feet the preparation of the gospel of peace. Okay, Ooh. so I'm going to stop right there just for a second because I want you to get a visual mm-hmm. of what Paul's trying to say. Now, listen to also how he says it, okay? So Paul says, stand firm, therefore, with having your belt on your waist with truth, right? Or truthfulness. It's, it's, a, uh, it's a vulnerable area. Right. So, so you should always have your belt on like, right. You always have your belt on to hold up your pants, you know, so your pants don't fall down. It's, it's a, it's a belt right there. It's a vulnerable area. So having done, but it says so that, oh, sorry, I just lost my place. Having belted, that's a past tense Mm -hmm. phrase that he uses right there, which means that it should have already been done. So because you're, you're having belted. So he's talking to you. In the present, but he's referencing a past tense item. So it's like, oh, well, like you already know to do that, right? Like you should have already had that done. So you have truth on your waist. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having put, that's past tense again, which means it should already be done. So you should already be walking in truth, right? You have your belt that ha- that allows you to be in truth as context, right? And so you're protected by truth. And you have the breastplate of righteousness, so you're you're protected by righteousness as well as what? Real quick, I just got something okay. about the belt. Um, we're, of course, we're going to give you guys a visual of what it looks like because it's yeah. he's specifically having them image uh, like in their mind a Roman soldier. 
because they're surrounded by him. They're in Ephesus. He's, yeah. he's you know, incarcerated with a Roman soldier beside him at all times. Um, and so this, this belt holds, it's almost like that chain mail thing in the front that protects him that you're talking about the very vulnerable area for yeah. men. <laughs> and yeah. then it's like also, a cup. It's like yeah. a cup for men like playing baseball or whatever. It protects like, them. Yeah. Cool. And then it also holds the sheath that has the sword of the this, sword, which is from the truth. Yeah, which 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 we'll get into the sword here, or Jordan will get into the sword here in just yes, a second. It all connects. People. So, and then there's the there's the breastplate of righteousness, which like holy choices, right? You have your breastplate of righteousness, which means that you're making good choices. You're doing having done, mm-hmm. which means you're already doing these things. And the sandals to guard and have you um, stand firm with the gospel. Okay. What I love about it is this is all past tense things. Like he's not saying, Hey, starting today, you need to put on, it says you mm-hmm. having done, having put on. And, and it's all in that past tense form because this is where it separates. And I think the reason why, uh, okay, I'm just going to let Jordan go ahead and go into the next part because then it'll all Come back oh, okay. Okay. And then it says, which is, what is this? Verse 16. Let me see here. Okay. In addition to all. Okay. So what Aubrey just talked about. So in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to ex- extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is in the Lord, uh, word of God. With every prayer and request, pray at all times in the spirit, and with this in view, be alert, alert, I almost said allergic, be alert with all perseverance. <laughs> Don't be allergic perse- to perseverance. <laughs> and every request for all the saints, yeah. and pray in my behalf, that speech may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in Christ, uh, ambassador in chains that in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So at the end, he's mm. saying, and also pray for me, people. Okay, yeah. so this goes into the second type of armor, okay? It was indicated in the word, so like adding to, right? So on top yeah, of what Aubrey just said. In addition to. Also yeah. this, okay? So it goes into the shield of faith. The coolest thing about the Roman shield is that, yes, it would protect the one guy that was holding it, but there was actually a certain battle tactic that the Romans did where they would connect their shields together, like their arms would be touching and all their shields would make a wall. And it was it, it protected your neighbors on both sides and also protected you even more. And so with that, with the faith that we are to have, we are to build each other up we're to protect each other and speak faith over each mm-hmm. other. And I think that that's so important too, and that beautiful picture of just what a Roman soldier does and what they were what they were taught to do so they were effective when they were locked together these shields and they were effective when held tightly and trusted and all remained in place so that is how the church of christ is supposed to be together too and so going into the helmet of salvation of course i i would think that one of the most important parts of our body is our head right (laughs) our helmet of salvation okay so i love this it refers to the protection of the transformed mind okay so once we are born again in Christ, we have a transformed mind. That's how it should be. Uh, Aubrey and I like to use the word recalibration. We're always recalibrating, Mm -hmm. right? And so when we understand that, our salvation has a past aspect, justification, a present aspect, sanctification, and then a future aspect, our eventual glorification in heaven, right? So there's past, present, and future that has to do with our salvation. So we must see the things through God's eyes and learn to call the battle by his word. And so it's that battlefield of the mind that we always hear about. It must be protected by the salvation and the everyday sanctification of ourselves and coming to the throne of God and being like, Lord, 
<laughs> what was me? Like, right? We always say that, what Isaiah said. Yeah. And then going into the sword of the spirit. Okay, I love this because I know what you're thinking um, with the sword of the spirit. You think in one of those medieval, like, insane swords. It's like, like they're 50 yeah, like pounds. The, like the William Wallace sword that takes yeah, two hands. two hands. Like a chick can't do it unless you're like Amazon woman. Like huge yeah. swords. But that's not the sword that the that um, this actually is called. Oh, no. Here's the word, Aubrey. What is this word again? I think it's like Mahira. 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 That sounds about right. Yeah, I don't Sorry. know. But it's um, like a little machete. Yes, it is. It's What did you say? It was like it was like 20, 20 inches it was, long? It was just like 18 to 23 inches, I think. Is yeah, and so these are small, guys. But the, the Romans were taught the exact spots to... Put it in, put it out, like 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 the death poke. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's more than a poke. The death I, I don't think stab. that's what they called. No. So I, one thing that I was reading about this dagger was it yeah. was it was more for slashing, right? Like like cutting than it was for like um, oh. thrusting. Yeah, because it was it, it was a one blade, one sided blade. It wasn't a two edged sword. It just had the one one edge on it so it's more for like slashing and, and cutting oh. yeah and so it's quicker it's faster it's like okay sh- um and so with with this certain sword it was it was done in that way and it was also it, it's talking about how us as christians we have a like the specific word from god right that he gives us to take a direct shot at the enemy and of yeah. course i thought of jesus in the desert i think about that every single time because anytime sure. we come up with temptations we have got to have that sword ready for that killer blow to the enemy saying nope you know what i know that's a lie from the enemy and this is why because the word of god says this because i know the lord you know the lord says this and things like that because that's exactly what jesus did he pulled that sword out and he was like done like gone yeah because the, the enemy was trying to be slick with with what using the word against jesus and he was like nope um, he should have known better how. but yeah but yeah no so i i think that that that's true is is those those are the weapons of or the the armor of warfare right Mm-hmm. And so you have the first three that Paul talks about where he says you should have already put them on, right? You're talking about the belt, the breastplate, and the sandals. They're already So those Roman donned. soldiers, whenever they always had those things on no matter what. Right. Like it wasn't like, oh, hurry, put on your belt. Like, no, my belt's been on. You yeah. Know, the, that kind of mindset. Yeah, they're, they're always ready in with those three. And then whenever, even if there's, uh, or if there's like, uh, what's it called? Like there's... Uh, something imminent like if war is imminent yeah. then they they grab their shield and their helmet and their sword and um so i think it was cool because one of the one of the visuals that i got was when i was in the military there were certain there were certain uniforms that you would wear at certain times right there were there were like utilities and there and there were camouflage and and there were dress uniforms and these are all different things. You'd wear them at different times. You wouldn't wear one to one place. Or if you were indoors, you wouldn't have to wear your your cover or anything like that. And so that's what I figured. Paul was literally writing this visual because I imagine that the people of Ephesus saw soldiers in both of these forms. Well, they probably saw them like in the in the pub, chilling. Right. They didn't have their sword, didn't have their shield, didn't have their helmet. Yeah, but right? they probably had the they, they had, had the every, first three on. Yeah, yeah. And so he, Paul's like, they know this. And also, Paul was staring at a soldier all day or day at yeah. that time because he was in prison next to one. <laughs> right, yeah. And I imagine he was being guarded by, by a soldier at all times. So he was able to go, okay, well, I've seen them with this stuff. 
and without this stuff, but then I've also seen them fully dressed as if, you know, danger is imminent, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think that, that that visual lens of connecting that with Paul, and it just shows you how genius the, the Holy Spirit was in moving through Paul to write these letters and the imagery there. It helps us grasp that visual lens to be like, oh my gosh, like I'm looking at the armor of God in a whole different way Mm -hmm. because I'm literally able to dissect it down back to, okay, this is like, this is necessary at all times. The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness and the sandals are always on me. Like Mm -hmm. I have to have them at all times. And then when battles come, when the enemy's attacking me, when, when things in life are coming up against me, that's when I have to don that shield of faith, right? I have to put on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the, and use the sword of the spirit. Mm -hmm. You know, but one thing that I thought was cool about the helmet too is, um, at the conference, they taught about how the helmet is linked to identity. A regular soldier wouldn't mm-hmm. have anything on his helmet, but if you go up to like a captain then or you have like the red yeah, you have like thing. the red feathered thing, and then some of them go sideways and some of them go front to back. But the helmet was used on the battlefield for identity, mm-hmm. and so um, I think that that's important uh, to understand when you're in a battle against the enemy who's looking to take you out, who is like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. Having that helmet ready for when the war comes, when the yeah. things hit, that's like, I understand. I have the helmet of salvation, but I also know my identity. Oh, yeah. You put on that identity in Christ. You yeah. know how I know my identity in Christ? I read the Word of God. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of um, Christians that don't read their Bible, they have a lot of identity issues. Yeah. Because I, I could even see that in my life. There was a time where, it, I'm telling you, it felt like I had to pull, it was almost as hard as pulling teeth to open the Bible and read it and really enjoy it. And that's when I really had some identity issues in Christ because I wasn't reading the truth of his word. Man, did yeah. you see that? Uh, so I, I bet y'all are wondering what we're reading from. So this won't be in the show notes because there's there's not, I think you can actually buy this from Walking the Text online actually. But this is the conference that we went to. Um Back in, oh gosh, June? Last month? Yeah. <laughs> in Nashville. And so this is actually, we got some of this stuff from the workbook that we did. So some of this was taught because it was Paul in his Roman world. Yeah. And so the importance of Paul's letters is to realize that most of them are written in a um, Roman Greco culture. Okay, yeah. so he's speaking to these people because these people see the Temple of Artemis every day. These people see Roman soldiers walking next to them every day. Yeah. These people see these things. So Paul takes that that picture that these people always have in their head and he points it to Christ like hey you've seen this every day this is how you can remember to be like this when you see a Roman soldier remember you need to put on your your um you know gear (laughs) yeah and you know really uh and you know just to wrap it up you can go through the entire book of Ephesians and you can just see such imagery in the whole thing which Mm -hmm. which makes it even more genius what's written in there because Paul literally takes things from the everyday life of a daily Ephesian and ties it back to, okay, well, this is what you see on the street, yeah. but this is how God expects you to be. This is, you know, even from just walking the streets, like we talked about Ephesians chapter four, how to walk 
with Christ, he, he ties it to a walk down the streets of Ephesus and how people are dressed and everything like that. But in, in order to really fully understand what Paul's trying to say, you have to break out that visual lens and it makes it that much more fun to look at. I had so much fun looking up oh, yeah. facts about Ephesus and what daily life was like in Ephesus because it helped it tie everything back to scripture. Mm-hmm. And then it helps me, you know, get in the same mindset that Paul was in and okay, he was writing to people of Ephesus. Mm-hmm. Like literally, what's a day what's a, a a day in the life of an Ephesian? What is that like? And that's what Paul wrote. And so it's mm-hmm. it's such a powerful thing. Man. It, yeah, it's it's so fun. It, this like I I know I said it last week, but but the Bible is literally the most interesting, beautiful, amazing literary book I've ever experienced in my life. And I, I could tell you a few years ago I didn't I didn't truly believe that. If I'm being a hundred percent honest, there's yeah. a lot of other books that I'd rather read <laughs> than the Bible and now I'm like whoa, nothing else even amounts at all whatsoever to the Bible because it's the word of God. It's so intentional. It's so deep. It's so, I could study the Bible for the rest of my life for hours upon end every single day and I still wouldn't get all the way through truly. Yeah. I, I, I believe that. Yeah, I, I believe it too. And so we hope that you learned something this week on, on the visual lens. And so... Next week, we're going to be talking about linguistics, like the the lens deals with the original languages mm-hmm. of the Bible. Yes. So when, when we, you know, we have so many different versions in English, right? You can name them all. So many. It, it's crazy. But the Bible was actually written in those original languages like Greek and Hebrew. Hebrew. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so it, it helps to understand this lens helps us understand the original languages of the Bible and how the Bible wasn't written in English. And so when you kind of tie it back, there can be a little bit of um, failure to launch, if you will, if you're <laughs> if you're talking, you know, in English. And so that's what we're going to be talking about next week. We're excited about it. But I hope that today was helpful in your Bible study. Yeah. But um, We had fun. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so we will see everybody. Right here, same time, same place. Um, yes. Get get active on on social media. Tell us tell us what yeah, what the Lord's what showing you through these lenses. If if you've been diving in with us, we're thankful that you're on the journey with us, and we don't want to just be talking to you, uh, you know, at you. We want to be talking to you, right, and having back and forth. And so hit us up yeah. on the social media pages, it, like it, our YouTube channel, whatever. Yeah, and we, we hope that this gives you a hunger and a thirst for the word. And if it does, we'd love to hear that yeah. from you, honestly. Absolutely. And like the stuff you're learning, like Aubrey said. So yeah. dive in. Yeah, it's been fun for us. And don't forget, at the end of this, all of this, <laughs> Brad Gray is going to be on the podcast. We're, we're super excited about that. Um, amazing teacher. <sighs> yeah. So it's going to be good. Oh my but gosh. We'll see you next week, yeah, guys. We'll see you guys next week. Oh, 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 oh,